Welcome to Covenant's Pulpit Ministry. Covenant Evangelical Free Church believes that the Bible is the Word of God and that God's Word is vital for life-transforming Christianity. We trust that you will grow to know the Word of God and more importantly, the God of the Word as you hear this message today. May God bless you as you open your heart to His Word. Good morning. I'm very glad to see all of us here. And for those of us who join on at live stream, I'm very glad that we can tune in together through technology to worship the Lord together. And we've been going through a series of messages from 1 Thessalonians, and I want to invite you to turn there with me. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, that's where we're going to resume as we prepare ourselves as God's people to meet King Jesus, who is coming soon. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and we're going to begin at verse 8 where we left off last week. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 at verse 8. There was a young lady who was uh, preparing for her blind date. She was very excited and she really wanted to make an impression on her date. So she took the, the day leave. She went to the salon to get her hair, her manicure done, came back, put on makeup, uh, put on her evening gown, and she was waiting. In fact, she was early, 10 minutes before the date was supposed to pick her. But at the time, at the scheduled time, there was no doorbell ring, there was no knock on the door, and 10 minutes passed, 15 minutes passed, no sound, no music, and then finally, one hour later, she concluded that she's been stood up. So, bummer, so what, what she did was she just removed her, her evening gown, put on her pyjamas, let her hair down, and then took potato chips from the kitchen, propped her legs up in front of the TV, and started watching TV. And halfway through the TV program, the doorbell rang, ding dong, and she opened the door. There was her blind date wearing his tux and all good to go. And, and the date said to her, what? I gave you two extra hours and you're still not ready. When our Lord Jesus returns, it will not be a doorbell that will ring at our house, but a trumpet call that the entire world will hear. And the Lord will call us forth as His people, gather us to be with Him forever. And until then, it is easy for us in our fast-paced modern life to settle and get into a lull. I mean, we know that Jesus is coming soon. We know that it is perhaps sooner than we think. There is a sense of urgency. There's a sense of mission. But along the way, we realize that somehow we, we kind of fall back into a mode or a zone where because of this whole period, because of the great resignation, for example, we end up at the workplace having to cover our colleagues, having to pick up balls that drop. There is constant care we must give to children and our elderly parents non-stop and we feel as though we have no off day. Our phones keep beeping, there are messages that keep coming in and after a while, we get sucked in and we end up having tunnel vision and we lose sight of the end. Occasionally, we may hear a message like this that, that you know, perks us up again, and then, but after a while, we settle back into that zone. So it's rinse, lather, repeat. Rinse, lather, repeat. What will enable us as a people of God to wait with our eyes heavenward in a fast-paced modern life where our minds are often on mental overdrive and our energies are put in different directions? In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, here was the Apostle Paul 
writing to the young Christians then in this city of Thessalonica, and this is his urge found in verse 8, verse 8, chapter 5. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. He pictures the church, therefore, as a soldier suited up, armour on, ready for battle when the commander calls, on the alert, on guard. The previous picture we see in chapter 5 is a lady who's expecting, the baby is coming and she knows she's approaching her full term, her bags are packed and she's good to go the minute the contractions happen. And from verses 9 to 11, I suggest to us there are two aspects of our life together as a people of God. We can and we must build in order to wait soberly with our eyes heavenward as we await Jesus' return. Here's the first. To wait soberly for Jesus' return, build our faith on a high view of God. Build our faith on a high view of God. Verse 9, For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with Him. Now, let me try to frame or, or uh, crystallize verses 9 to 10 like this, okay? Up on the screen, you will see a sentence with three blanks, okay? Now, I believe there is one word, the same word you can fill in each blank that will sum up not just verses 9 to 10, but to some degree sum up our Christian life, okay? There is one word for all three blanks, okay? So, can you turn to your neighbour? Can you turn to your neighbour? Make a guess, even, I know it's Sunday morning, but make a guess. What is that one word, Okay? The same word for all three blanks. Now, let me, uh, let me give us a hint. Uh, the word is not sin. Okay, so for example, save from sin. Okay, that's good. Save by sin. Uh, the whole thing breaks down, right? Okay, but I believe there's one word. So can you turn to your neighbor the next uh, 10, 15 seconds? Make a guess. Okay, make a guess. And try to remember what your neighbor said, okay? Remember what your neighbor said. Uh, one word. Same word for all three blanks. Okay, at the count of three, at the count of three, can you shout out your neighbor's answer? Okay, all right. One, two, three. Okay, some of us caught it, huh? some of us got it. Here's my answer, here's my answer, okay. Saved from God, saved by God, and saved for God. Now, some of us are probably scratching our heads right now. Pastor Edmund, I can understand saved by God because God sent Jesus to die for my sins on the cross. I can, I can more or less catch the idea saved for God where my life is not meant to be self-centered but God-centered. And, and when Jesus comes and when, when I'm with Him in the heavenly places, He's the center of attraction where we worship together as spiritual family. But saved from God? Aren't we saved from sin? Now, verse 9 again, For God has not destined us for wrath, and that wrath comes from God. Now, here's how the Apostle Paul describes it in another letter in Romans, in chapter 1. It's on the screen, so I invite us to read this together aloud 
Okay, one, two, three. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. So here was God looking at how fallen, how broken, how wayward the world has become. And the Bible tells us the wrath of God is being revealed and one day will be unleashed in its full. Now, Paul goes on to describe in chapter 1 some key expressions, how we express or we behave in that waywardness, in that brokenness, in that fallenness. We worship, for example, in those days especially, they worship, uh, they, they make statues of, of uh, human beings or even animals, very consistent with their Roman or Greek pantheon. And instead of worshiping the Creator God, they worship these statues and call them gods. They exchange natural sexual relations uh, with their spouses to enjoy with unnatural ones and degraded themselves according to those ungodly passions. They, they became, in, in, in the list goes on, they became liars, they became slanderers, murderers, adulterers, so on and so forth. And therefore, on a world broken, fallen because of sin, the wrath of God comes. Now, the picture given to us in the Old Testament is of a God when He sees sin, when He sees the brokenness, the fallenness, the Bible tells us that His heart swells with that anger. His nostrils flare. And one day, that judgment, one day, that wrath will be unleashed. The dam will burst. Now, just in case we fold our arms and, and, and you know, look from afar with self-righteousness, feeling righteous about ourselves, Paul goes on to say in Ephesians chapter 2, if you can read this with me, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 3, okay, aloud together, 1, 2, 3, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. You notice, we by nature were children of wrath. We were in the same boat so that we have nothing to boast. I know for some of us, this can be a very jarring picture of God. How can God so patient, so loving, so merciful, so angry? What kind of God is this? What stirs God such that judgment comes is not simply because God is angry, but first of all, because God is holy. First of all, not because God is angry, but God is holy. And when, when it comes to God's moral purity, holiness, is so off the charts, there's no number to define it. The, the, the space in our calculator fails us. And therefore, because that is God's nature, He will not tolerate even a tinge of sin. And when He expresses that anger, guess what? The anger is not like our human fallen kind of anger. For example, uh, we have a, some of us may have a violent temper. Some of us, like myself, drivers may get triggered huh, when someone cuts into our lane, right? And then we fly off the handle. Sometimes I, when I'm behind the wheel, I may not behave like a pastor. <laughs> it's not that kind of anger. Out of God's holiness, what stirs that anger to the point of where the dam bursts is not simply anger itself, but guess what? It's grief. When God first made the world in Genesis and sin came into the picture and the flood was going to come in to wipe out all of the earth except Noah and those in the ark, here was the commentary of how God felt. Genesis chapter 6, verse 5. Genesis chapter 6, verse 5. 
And the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth and it angered him. No, it grieved him to his heart. Parents, you would know this, that if and when your child is wayward or disobedient, says things or makes choices that you know will destroy this person or lead this person, your child, down a path that has no happy ending, no good ending. You allow that by your heart pain, right? And when God feels the heartache of a world that He created to be beautiful, perfect, broken and damaged by sin, out of that grief, comes the wrath of God because of His holiness. In 2012, there was a painting in Dublin, Ireland by the famous uh, artist Monet that was vandalised. And apparently, this uh, Irish gentleman was angry with the government and wanted to get back at the government. So came to where the painting was and punched the painting and that, that was the whole created. And this one punch cost 10 million to repair, one and a half years to restore to its former beauty. You see, when God, a holy God, God who created everything to be beautiful and perfect, saw how sin and our disobedience has created not just a dent, but a damage on the world, a damage in our own soul, it cost God not simply $10 million, but the cost of His own Son that He went to the cross so that the only difference for us who are in the same boat by nature children of wrath is that for us, because we believed in Jesus, when the dam burst, that container load of wrath fell upon Jesus at the cross on our behalf. Just now we sung that the cross has spoken. The cross has spoken. The cross is God's way of telling us it is where God's wrath and God's mercy meets. And all of us need that mercy because all of us, by nature, children of wrath. There was a rich businessman who wanted his uh, portrait painted, so he asked the artist to, to paint the portrait of him. After the product was done, he looked at it and he was upset. He said to the artist, you have not done justice to my looks. And the artist said to him, sir, uh, what you need is not justice but mercy. <laughs> all of us, my friends, need mercy because all of us have been scarred, damaged by sin. This is the picture of God we must recapture and hold on to. Sure, this God is patient. He's slow to anger. He's kind. But His anger, His wrath is sure because He is holy, morally, spiritually perfect. And one day that wrath will be unleashed. A.W. Tozer says it this way about our view of God. He says that we tend by a secret law of the soul to move toward our mental image of God. This is true not only of the individual Christian, but of the company of Christians that composes the church. Always the most revealing thing about the church is her idea of God. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Worship is pure or base, meaning low, as the worshipper entertains high or low thoughts of God. 
A low view of God is the cause of a hundred lesser evils. A high view of God is the solution to 10,000 temporal problems. In other words, when our view of God is big, our view of problems in this life will be small. But if our view of God is small, every problem becomes big. We suck in, we get overwhelmed, we get consumed, and we lose sight of the vision of the end. And my friends, if our vision of God is real and right, as a people of God, it affects even the way we worship now. For example, on Sunday, because we have a high view of God, we will take time to prepare ourselves, come on time, at least, if not early, and prepare us to worship and praise the Lord together rather than saunter in after service starts. And we will come with our hearts, preparing our hearts to be delighted in God's presence and less distracted by our gadgets. How we view God now determines how we keep our spiritual focus. Pastor Evan, how do I cultivate a high view of God now? when we are so fast-paced. There was a teenager, 17-year-old in the UK, who was assessed to be legally blind. And they found the cause behind it. It was a diet that he took for seven years. Guess what the diet was? French fries, white bread, processed ham slices, seven years. And this is what uh, the doctors discovered, that by age 15, since primary school he has been eating that every day, and by age 15, his hearing started to fail, then came his vision complications, and early testing showed that he was vitamin B12 deficient. By the time he was legally blind, he had reduced bone mineral density, high levels of zinc, low levels of copper, selenium, and vitamin D. So parents, you might want to <clears throat> take note of this. If we want to recapture our view of God and not lose sight, then I strongly encourage us, pay attention to what we take in for our soul. Because what we take in for our soul affects our view of God. Now, besides obviously getting to the Scriptures daily because the, the Scriptures open up to us what God is like, how He is like, by God's help, I've made a commitment every day to start when I wake up with Scripture memory. Now, I don't succeed all the time, especially nowadays with increased responsibilities. When I wake up, ideas are flying in my head. There are people I know I must respond and, and reply by emails and by text. And if you're one of them, my apologies, I'm not replied to you. And, and sometimes, uh, yeah, it's just mental overdrive. But keep going in that direction. If you don't have a journal, I encourage you to keep a journal. Put in there the ways of God, the acts of God in your life, so that in, in those times when you are discouraged or when you lose heart, when you lose focus, go back to those episodes, go back to those entries where it helps you recapture the greatness and the grace of God again. And with those stories, tell it to future generations. Whether you are biological or spiritual parents, tell it to future generations, help them capture the wow of God who's worth following and putting our trust in and living our life for. One more suggestion. For those of us who commute now that the guidelines are more relaxed for COVID, rather than scrolling through social media mindlessly or computer games on the train or in the bus, how about reading? Authors like A.W. Tozer, C.H. Spurgeon, John Piper, their writings will help us recapture a grandeur of God 
Those of us who are driving, I'm sure there are audio versions as well. But let's cultivate that high view of God now. To wait soberly for Jesus' return, build our faith on a high view of God. A God slow to anger, but anger is sure, and it will come unleashed in its full force. Secondly, to wait soberly for Jesus' return, build our community on a high dose of encouragement. High dose of encouragement. Verse 11 now. Verse 11. And therefore, Paul concludes this section by saying, Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, just as you are doing. Encourage and build one another up. Now, back at chapter 4, if you run up your finger there, when he first started talking about the second coming of Jesus, he wanted to assure the young Christians whose faith was shaken because they thought, my loved ones who passed on before me, I, I think they missed the train. And Paul assured them that no, 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 they didn't miss the train. In fact, when Jesus comes, they'll be taken up first and the rest of us will be caught up together with him. And therefore, chapter 4, verse 18, chapter 4, verse 18 says, Therefore, encourage one another with these words, be assured, be comforted, this is so. Now, we come to chapter 5. Now, same thing. After explaining we're not destined for wrath, verse 11, therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. Why repeat? My suggestion, my humble suggestion, because we will need it every step of the way. Because times may get even tougher. Let me, let me paint to us what verse 11 literally says. Better translated, I feel, it's therefore keep encouraging one another, therefore keep building one another, just as you are doing. In fact, therefore, do it more and more, even more. And the picture of encouragement and building up is this. Now, the, the idea of encouragement in the original language gives a picture of someone on a journey, someone trying to reach a destination, but this person is getting tired. And what encouragement the picture is, is that you come alongside this person in the journey as a companion. And as you converse in that journey, what you say, what you do, strengthens this person all the way until this person reaches the destination. Okay, that's encouragement. What, when it comes to building up, is the picture of a house either under construction or under restoration, where not only do you make sure there is a strong foundation, where let's say there are spalling concrete you patch, where there are pillars that are cracked you reinforce so that this house remains strong and the pillars are not shaken. It doesn't crumble. So put together now, encourage one another and build one another up. It's about us coming alongside someone, journeying together, and by the words we say, that person is strengthened, so that the person does not falter all the way to the end. Does that make sense? Okay. Notice what Paul does not say now about encouragement. Verse 11, Therefore, be encouraged. After all that I said, be encouraged. That sounds good, right? That sounds correct. No, that wasn't what Paul said. Paul also didn't say, therefore, wait for encouragement to come. But keep encouraging keep building because if we wait for encouragement to come who gets encouraged nobody but if everybody is actively proactively fulfilling this biblical mandate of encouraging one another who gets encouraged in our journey everybody 
And guess what? Even pastors and leaders need encouragement too. If you, if you go back with me to chapter 3, what happened was this. Uh, the, the background of the story is that when the Thessalonian church was first founded, the, the Christians were young. Because of persecution, Paul had to exit very quickly and go to the next city. And he was not sure whether these will make it in their faith because they are young Christians. And he was despairing and thinking that all his energy and time, the fruit of his labor, will be lost. Therefore, he sent Timothy to, to find out how they are doing, right? And so this is the report that Timothy came back with, uh, chapter 3 now, verse 6. Verse 6, But now that Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us the good news of your faith and love and reported that you always remember us kindly and long to see us as we long to see you. Verse 7 now, For this reason, brothers, in all our distress and affliction, notice, we have been comforted. It's the same word in the original for encouragement. We've been comforted or encouraged about you through your faith. Paul hit a point of despair. Paul hit a point where he lost heart. He was distressed. But this news, or rather this report from Timothy, strengthened his soul. Even leaders need encouragement. Encouragement flows best, my friends, on a two-way street. During my recent ordination, I was blessed. I was encouraged by just gifts and cards that people wrote to me, thanking me for the ministry in these years. And that was a booster for me. But I hope we don't stop there for our leaders. One of the interesting events at the Sydney 2000 Olympics that captured the heart of spectators who were watching was this 100-meter freestyle heats. And in this particular heat, there were only three competitors and two were disqualified because they had a false start. So left one person for the heats. His name is Eric Musambani from uh, Africa, country uh, Equatorial Guinea. And, and up to the point when he reached Sydney for the Olympics, he has never seen an Olympic-sized swimming pool. He was swimming in a pool that was 13 metres long, one three. He swam in rivers and at the beach. And guess who taught him swimming? not a coach, fishermen by the sea. And so when he jumped in and started swimming, according to one of the journalists, he was described as being charmingly inept, meaning that he didn't have the form or the style of a, a normal Olympic uh, world-class swimmer. And, and he kept his head up. He never put his head down. And by the time he made the turn, he was playing his arms. By the time he made the turn and was on the way back, when he was interviewed, he said that he was so tired, he couldn't feel his legs. And he felt as though no matter how hard he tried, he was on the same spot. And he wasn't sure whether he was going to make it to the wall. And even the commentators during the actual event were saying that, yeah, they were not very sure whether he's going to make it. In fact, he may have to hang on to the lane rope and also get disqualified. And this is what Eric Musambani said. He said, I, I wasn't sure whether I was going to make it. I felt as though I was on the same spot. And, but I heard this. I heard this. Go, go, go. Go, go, go. And he said that when the crowd started shouting for him, he kept going because the shouting from the crowd encouraged him, strengthened him until he finally reached the wall and hung his dear life on that wall. And the stadium, the capacity crowd stood up and erupted in cheers. All of us love a story like this. And all of us would love to be at the receiving end of encouragement, of people cheering in for us. But guess what? The picture that 
is painted for us in the scriptures of encouragement is not one person who are struggling in the pool, uh, solar water, there everybody shouting, go, 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 uh, around the pool, go, go, go. That's not the picture. The picture is this. Everybody is in the pool. Everybody is trying to make it to the wall. Everybody is struggling. Everybody can't feel our legs. Everybody may be swallowing water along the way, but everybody is shouting to everybody, go, go, go. Go, 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 even though we are tired ourselves. That's the picture of encouragement in the Bible for the Christian community. And if that's the case, some babies are shouting that already. (laughs) Immediate application. If that's the case, I want to address, first of all, those of us who have joined us online. We are very glad that through technology we can worship together And if you're online, I know some of us are online because it's out of concern, concern that your elderly parents may catch the virus. We understand. And we're very glad that you've joined in. Now, some of us, you are online not out of concern, but out of convenience. Meaning, we have kind of settled into a mode, into a zone where we kind of like just wake up, roll over, and then join the live stream service. Now, let me ask an honest question. Besides it obviously being more distracting at home, if there is a biblical mandate for us to fulfill our responsibility to encourage one another, how are we going to do that if we are remotely joining by ourselves? Now, those of us who are here in person, the pastors and leaders are very glad, very happy to see you, really. Except we need to upskill now because we have to recognize people by half a face now that we're wearing masks. We are very glad, we're very encouraged to see all of us And I want to encourage us, appeal to us, go beyond Sunday. Because the call of God is encourage and build one another more and more. In other words, therefore, if you're not part of a regular spiritual family or community meeting up to do this, we highly, strongly encourage you to do so. Because not only is it a privilege, not only is it an opportunity, it is a responsibility God has entrusted to us. Now, at the end of the service, on screen, there'll be a QR code. We want to invite you to scan and put in some of your details so that the church can be in touch with you and in good time connect you accordingly. Let me mention one final group. It's called lay leaders. The past two years of COVID has thrown a lot of curveballs at us. And we feel the strain physically, emotionally, the guidelines keep changing until I lose track of the guidelines. And, and guess what? We, we feel the strain, for example, when because of the great resignation at the workplace, we have to, we have to cover people's duties, we have to pick up balls. We, 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 are, we, we are just feeling pulled and we have to keep going. And guess what? Our lay leaders are not spared either. In fact, when they signed up to serve God, they didn't do it because they are paid, no? They do it out of a calling from God because they love God and they love us. And I want to call us as a church, as a spiritual family, to cheer them on because we need every ounce of it. I've lost track as a pastor, especially in the early years, how many times I want to give up in the ministry. Lost count. We will need every ounce of encouragement along the way 
so that encouragement flows best on a two-way street. Now, I'm going to put leaders on the spot, if you don't mind. I hope you're still my friends after this. If you're a lay leader, means you're not a staff, you're a lay leader, be it as a CG leader, ACG leader, zone mentor, you're in uh, Women in Covenant, you're, you're a facilitator, you're a Men in Covenant, you're a Sunbeam, DMK, a youth leader, cell leader, the whole works, okay? Can I invite you to stand to your feet right now? Lay leaders, can you please stand? We want to acknowledge, we want to honour and thank God for you. Please stand. That's right. That's right. Please stand. Please stand. Let's, let's give them a big hand. Let's cheer them on. I'm sure there are more. Before you sit down, okay, before you sit down, on behalf of the church leadership, we really want to thank you from the bottom of our hearts. How you have answered the call of God, how you have chosen to put time, energy, and sometimes tears that we don't see, finances we don't see, to love God and love people. And we are very blessed to see how you serve the Lord and how you labour for the Lord. Thank you very much. Please be seated. Here's what I want to invite us to do together, okay? Can we take out our phones? Okay, take out our phone. Yeah, you can use your phone during service now, okay? And I'd like us to text your CG leader or your ministry leader, okay? Those that you know, okay? Here's what I suggest you can text, okay? I will go full-time. No, no I'm kidding. <laughs> okay, here's what I suggest you can text. Thank you for serving and leading us. Okay. Thank you for serving and leading us. Please let me know how I can help <laughs> and how I can pray for you. Okay. Please let me know how I can help and pray for you. Trust me, I, I, I believe that text will do something to your leader's soul. And while the rest of us are trying to complete the text, you see, it's very easy in our Singapore culture that we value performance and excellence to always address gaps and problems first. Now, addressing the gaps and problems, I'm not wrong. But I want to suggest that if we want to encourage and build one another up, how about... Affirm the leader first. Affirm your leader first before addressing the problem. Highlight the good that's happening first before mentioning what needs perhaps to shift or be adjusted accordingly. And you may be surprised that when we make that shift, when we do that, how the spiritual, emotional morale of the spiritual community shifts and changes. Let me end with this final story. I'm going to call us to respond to the Lord together. It is very trying, and I feel it myself, to keep focus on the Lord's return in a very fast-paced modern life where we are put in different directions. And what helps us keep focus in the long term is, first of all, building our faith on a high view of God. Because when our view of God is big, our problems in this life will be seen small. God is a God slow to anger, 
abounding in steadfast love, but a God nonetheless where the wrath comes because of His holiness. Secondly, we build our faith on a high dose of encouragement because it can get very exhausting and we need every ounce of it, every step of the way, and encouragement flows best on a two-way street. Let me close with this final story as, as we respond together. Colin Powell, who used to be Secretary of State, and before that he was a four-star general in the US Army, and he was in charge of the operations of the Persian Gulf War. And he told the story of a young adult, this soldier, who was on the eve of that battle and was asked, are you afraid of going to the battle? Because chances are he may not come home. He, we don't, he, he doesn't know, everybody doesn't know what's going to happen. But this is what that young man said. I'm not afraid. And he explained why. He looked over his shoulder and said, because I'm with my family. Other young men about his age, be it Caucasians, Afro-Americans, Asians, Latin Americans, this is my family. Friends, I'd like us to hold on to that picture together because we are in a battle for souls. And in this battle for souls, to come into the kingdom, God calls us not only to win these souls into the kingdom, but encourage these souls here so that they in turn may be soul winners when time is short. And let's fight together well, engage in the battle well as a spiritual family, as brothers and sisters, until we hear the trumpet call of our Commander-in-Chief who will return for us soon. I'm going to invite us to bow our heads in prayer right now and bow our hearts before Him. And before we respond with this song together, I'm going to invite us just to take the next few moments just to let what we have heard sink in and solidify in our hearts. Perhaps there is, my friend, one word, one phrase, one call God is giving you and you need to respond to Him. I'm going to invite you to do that for a brief moment now before we sing this song, Build My Life. Also give an invitation for as we as we bow before the Lord still. Let me give an invitation for some of us here who you may be a first-time guest or you may have come before, but you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus as a disciple, as a follower. And you hear this morning that the wrath of God is coming. Good news, my friends, that wrath has first fallen on Jesus at the cross for my sin and for yours. And you've come if you have come to a point where you desire to receive Jesus into your life for the very first time as Lord and Saviour, I'm going to pray a prayer. And if that's you, I'm going to invite you to pray this with me for the very first time. And after that, I'm going to ask you to put up your hand up high. I'm going to acknowledge you, pray with you as you begin this faith in God. Here's how this prayer goes. Lord Jesus, thank you for coming to earth and going to the cross. Because of our sin, even mine, God's wrath was poured out and unleashed on you. I turn to you 
and call upon you today. Save me from sin. Save me from the coming wrath. Fill me with awe and wonder of being your child and servant. Make me a blessing as I encourage others to press on till you return. My friend, if that's you, for the very first time asking Jesus into your life, can I invite you just to put up your hand up high right where you are. I want to acknowledge before we move on. And for those of us who are online, I want to invite you later on to scan the QR code that will come up as well to let us know this is what you have prayed. Someone will be happy to contact you. Eternal God, our Heavenly Father, we thank you that every time the Scriptures are open, you summon us and you woo us. And therefore, we ask, O oh Lord, that the, the very seed you have planted in the hearts of our friends and guests here who have yet to know you, that seed will continue growing, blossoming until that day they call upon you as Lord and Saviour. We give you thanks. We ask this in Jesus' name. And we say together, Amen. Amen. We invite us to stand together now and let's sing this as a prayer, asking God to open our eyes to the wonder of who He is and then ask God to move our hearts to be a blessing to other people. as a prayer as a collective body of believers and followers of Jesus here's the burden I come with this morning and I believe this is the call of God upon us as a spiritual family you see my friends we are all engaged in a war we may not realize it but this is a war that is spiritual 
It is a war for souls. It is a war to, to, to bring the gospel to our nation, to the nations beyond. And in time to come, in July, we're going to engage together in prayer as part of the battle plan. And in order for us to engage in this war well as the people of God, here's my burden. We cannot be caught in fighting. We cannot be caught with unnecessary prolonged conflict because when that happens, half the battle is lost. But when the church of God arises to recognize we have one enemy and we're going to claim back souls for Jesus, for the kingdom while time is short and we do whatever we can, our utmost by the help of God to see that this God, our commander-in-chief, is on the move. He's on the war path. We are already on the winning side because He has already secured the victory and we do whatever we can by God's help to encourage, to spur, to speak in a way that will encourage rather than discourage, to build up rather than tear down, to contribute rather than complain the church of God arises can we say amen because we have a world to win a city to impact a church to revive for such a time and if your heart's desire is saying God count me in count me in to be part of this count me in O oh Lord to do my utmost by your help to be part of the battle to be part of the army that we're fighting together as family can i can i see your hands just upright where you are we're going to pray together right now let's pray thank you lord for calling the church to arise for such a time thank you lord that on the cross you made a public spectacle of every power every principality and you triumphed over them on the cross and on the cross you declared it is finished the battle is secured the victory is done and you call us to do the mop-up operation and therefore by your help now by the enabling of your holy spirit cause the church to arise for such a time while time is short cause us to be ready engaged alert so that as we encourage one another we spur one another on we do so more and more coming to the kingdom more and more are disciples more and more are released for such a time into the world we give you thanks we ask this in jesus name and we say together amen amen i will build my life spent some time listening to God's Word and we hope that the message has ministered to you. Should you require more assistance, kindly call 6892-6811 or you can visit us at www.cefc.org.sg for more sermon titles. God bless you in your spiritual pilgrimage ahead.